Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We've got a new episode for you today, but first, I want to tell you about Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a subscription cocktail service that helps you learn how to make handcrafted cocktails right at home. And who doesn't love learning new skills while getting their friends, you know, classy tipsy? Uh, every box comes with enough ingredients to make three different fancy cocktail recipes. All you need to do is buy one bottle of that month's spirit, and you have all you need to make 12 drinks at home. At just $40 to $50 per month, plus the cost of the bottle, Shaker and Spoon is a super cost-effective way to enjoy craft cocktails. And you can skip or cancel boxes at any time. Our listeners can get $20 off their first box at shakerandspoon.com slash T-O-A-F-N. That's shakerandspoon.com slash T-O-A-F-N. Also, I need to shout out our patrons on Patreon who make this show possible. In particular today, gratitude goes out to Maria D. and James R. Thank you for your support. We couldn't do what we do without you. If you'd like to become a patron, head to patreon.com slash onceinfuturenerd, where you can get cool supporter rewards like ad-free episodes, stickers, posters, and more. Uh, This chapter is a five-parter, so we've got one more episode after this one. Uh, That'll be out on May 28th. I will talk to you then, and in the meantime, enjoy the show. Once and Future Nerd, Book Two, Myth Made Flesh. Chapter Nine, A Handful of Bodyguards, Part Four by Gregory M. Schultz and Christian T. Kelly Madeira. We now rejoin Queen Regan's court in the barroom where we left them. They were scheming, you'll recall, on how to remove the town's two bosses, sever the loyalty of their men, and install Regan in their place. And the hour was already quite late. What about a pizza party? A pizza party? Remember when they took us on a field trip to that state park to see the big old hole in the ground? Oh, yeah. And they forgot Joey Cannavale and left him behind at the park until after dark. Yeah, and they threw us a pizza party and told us not to tell our parents. Nobody snitched. So maybe that's the move. Coffee? Anyone for coffee? What the fuck is coffee? Extremely diuretic is what it is. Maybe you should skip it. Oh, golly. How long has it been dark out? A couple hours now. Damn. My rabbits need to eat. Do you... No, I hate to ask, but do you think one of your men might walk me home? Bill's probably waiting for me. I'll walk you home. You might want to take your men, too. Bill's a horse's ass. But you can get your skull kicked open crossing a horse's ass. Sends the wrong message if a bunch of us go. Besides, I watched Bill try to draw on Vandenberg. If both my arms are broken, I could still take him. Mm, All right, then. A dog or a cat can miss a meal here or there, and it's no harm done. But a rabbit's more like a horse. They need to graze all the time or they can get really sick. They're also prey, not hunters, which a lot of people don't understand. You try to play with them or pet them like you would with a dog, you'll scare the sweet things half to death. I'm sorry. I I don't know why I'm talking so much. 
I think you're nervous. Reckon I am. Look, you hardly know me, so there's no harm if I just say this. Bill sounds like a real piece of shit. All offense. Lulu's been trying to get me to leave him for years. But, I don't know. He can be so sweet sometimes, too. Anyone can be sweet when they want something from you. And I guess all your sweethearts have all been saints, that right? This flicker of an outburst prompted a turned head and a cocked eyebrow from Regan. Sorry. Sorry. It just gets tiring sometimes. Everyone talking like they know what's good for you. Yeah, well, that we agree about. I'll leave it be. Tell me more about your rabbits. It, it gets tiring to cry all the time, too. To be scared in your own home. But, oh, I don't know. My daddy had a temper, too, and him and my mama made it work. Besides, you seen the other fellas in this town? You mean you're not going to strike silver digging and shit? <laughs> Good golly, you said it. <laughs> you're fun. I'm glad you're here. I've been called a lot of things, but fun is new. Well, goes to show what passes for fun round here, I guess. You could leave, you know. <laughs> Where would I go? This world's full of towns that aren't this one. Maybe. But I reckon it's also full of bills. At least this one, I know. Janie? Janie, honey, I'm sorry. You don't have to cry tonight or be scared. I don't want to talk to you right now. Well, that's all right. I just want you to listen. Now, I know I ain't perfect, and I know I ain't always treat you Stop like you deserve. Stop, maybe this one before. You know how folks around here is. I think I just get so scared sometimes but of someone Janie else mistreating you. It's not the only thing Regan's I am scared eyes. of. And I let it uh, spin me all up till I can't even think straight. And, I just want to be left alone, Bill. Now, Janie, listen, I don't work my ass off keeping you safe just for you to be so goddamn stubborn. You got your answer. Now step away from the door. And who the fuck are you? Me? I'm nobody. I just gave this nice lady my word I'd see a safe to feed her rabbits. And she said she wants to be left alone. So you're gonna do the gentlemanly thing and step aside. What, you're gonna make me? If I have to. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're laughing at. With a flair for the dramatic that I did not know she possessed, Regan chose this moment to flip open her cloak and reveal the truly staggering number of armaments concealed within. Because I didn't tell any fucking jokes. See, when people laugh and I don't know what the joke is, I start to get the crazy idea that maybe they think I'm the joke. And where I grew up, if someone thinks you're a joke, then someone's gonna rob and kill you. Which means I treat being laughed at like it's a threat on my life. So now you have ten seconds to tell me that you just thought of a funny thing that happened last week or something. Like, I don't know, maybe you got mule shit on your cock and it wouldn't wash off. Five seconds now, mule fucker. You fixing to draw on me with that busted ass arm? You got a busted arm too. And mine's getting better. Yours is swollen and you're sweating like a pig. Three. Two. Fuck! Bill held up his empty hands. You got lucky this time. Caught me while I'm ailing. But this shit ain't over. Crazy fucking bitch. You really should get that arm looked at, Bill. 
You don't look well. Only once Bill was out of sight did Regan relax her free arm and close her cloak. Gods, you really are something else. Thank you again. Believe me, pleasure was mine on that one. I'm shaking. Come on, we'll walk it off. <laughs> look at you. You're as steady as a seamstress's hands. I wish I could be like you. I actually don't recommend it, but sometimes it comes in handy. Here she is, my humble abode. I can keep watch while you feed the rabbits. I think maybe I was hoping you'd come inside. Meaning? Yeah, thought as much. Look, you're very fucking cute, but I don't think I'm good for you right now. Thought I done already told you. Stop talking like you know what's good for me. Good. Golly, in Selbrin, I needed that. Like any good queen, I live to serve. Oh, right. Did you want me to... Get me back another time. Once I stop at that damn stew. Guess that's three I owe you. Well, I always try to be a magnanimous leader. You should feed your pets, and we should get back before my night starts to panic. Right. I should show you something before we do... And tell you something, really. Okay. See those two big books on the desk over yonder? Take a look inside. I, uh... Readin's never been my strong suit, but I think this is a book full of numbers. Those are the ledgers for the Rosebuds and the Mulberries. They're what? That's how I make a living. Not many people good with sums in a town full of bowl slingers, it turns out. Right. And I'm guessing there's numbers in there that'd be very embarrassing to Mrs. Weston and Vandenberg. You guess right. Hmm. I know why you didn't tell me before, and I don't blame you. Why are you telling me now? Because I decided I can trust you. <laughs> Look, I got no plans to double-cross you, but free advice for the shit-heap world? One good lay is no guarantee of anything. I decided I can trust you to keep Bill away from me. Well, yeah. That you can. Well, that's my offer to you, then. You keep them away from me and my babies. We're talking rabbit babies, right? Just checking I know what I'm agreeing to? Yes, my beautiful little bun-buns. And I'll tell you everything you need to know from those there books. I got a counter-offer. And I think it's better for everybody. All right, listen up. New plan. Bellowed Regan into the barroom of Lulu's Inn. And then, upon seeing the faces looking back at her particularly Nia's raised eyebrow and Jen's eye patch, which I submit to my counsel for approval. And right behind her was Janie, of course, carrying a blanketed basket containing four rabbits. She and Lulu nodded an unspoken understanding to each other. Tell us. We're putting Janie in charge. Or more like making people realize she's been in charge. Um, she has. May I? Janie, you sure you're willing to burn Lass and Cliff? They've been in charge since I was a little girl. And aren't things just dandy on account of it? No. I figure this town could use a change. I'm lost, I think. I've been keeping the books for both gangs going on ten years now. I know everything they don't want each other to know. And no matter how you shake it, you two are right. Nobody knows me here. But Janie, everyone seems to know her. Everyone seems to trust her. And nobody else can do what she does for the town. Consideration crossed the faces of Regan's co-conspirators. And where would your crew fit into this new order? At first, we're putting up funds. 
That statue we got could be a real juicy sign-on bonus for anyone on the fence about the transfer of power. And it'll fill the town's lot as we ride out the winter. We'll take some contracts in the spring, and come summer, we collect. Janie gives me leave to take any rangers who'll come on a damn fool suicide mission across the mountains. We all good with that? Aye. Adjust the bargain if ever I've heard one. Good deal. I'll abide by it. I want to say on the contracts. No offense, Henry, but I'm not really sure that's yours to claim. I think my help's been valuable, and I didn't have to give it. Don't have to keep giving it. I think some stake in the outcome is only fair. I'm open to it, but why that? Why not just some of the money? Because not a few of the contracts that come through this town are to kill people like me. Nelson here said you all aren't fond of elves, and their lapdogs led me to believe things would be different with you in charge. I helped you because I believed him. Did Nelson tell you why we're not fond of elves? A bit of it. It's kind of a long story. We can fill you in later. But if we valued elf gold more than your people's lives, I promise we wouldn't be here. We ain't lying, man. And I don't want to take any contracts he doesn't like anyway. I, I trust him to know who's on the level around here. If you all think it's a good idea, then we'll ask Henry before we take any contracts. That sound fair? There were nods of agreement all around. So that's settled then. Now we just gotta take what Janie knows and use it against Vandenberg and Weston. Right. That's what we were talking about when you came in. Henry had a good idea, didn't you? I figured the whole town hates at least one of them already. When there's a lot of blood been spilt defending one or the other, if you make it seem like they've been working together, that'd be an unforgivable betrayal to both their gangs. Oh, that is good. And mine's the only watering hole in town, so if there's gossip, it's gonna come through here. I knew I liked you guys. I take you now back east, to another tavern. Maeve Bailey's establishment, where we've already spent quite a bit of time, was bustling this evening. But the proprietor's mind was not on business. In her current state, she was quite relieved to see the soldier you know as the Professor darken her doorway. Thank you for coming. I told you you need only call, Maeve. Might understand that your suspicious guest is from the forest. Aye. She took pains to cover her ears, but I caught a glimpse. And here's what struck me even more. She came in, sat where you're set right now, and asked for a private room. Then she took out the biggest sapphire of her feckin' sane and put it on the bar like it was a few coppers. Asked if it would be enough for a fortnight. Enough for a fortnight! It'd probably pay for 14 years if she found an innkeep fool enough to take it. I just pray nobody saw it before I shoved it back in her purse. Gauging your reaction, perhaps. I have a decent nose for guile, and I didn't get a whiff. She's either got the mind of a child, or she's very good at pretending. Or she's never left the forest before. So why leave now? And why come here of all places? Hmm. Is she in a room now? Aye. Enter the hall on the right when you go up the stairs. Here's the key. I'll ring the service bell if I need you. I fear this must all sound like the ravens of a lunatic. But if you've ever believed me about anything, believe me about the contents of this letter. For reasons which I hope are obvious, I cannot tell you where I am or how to contact me. But know that I miss you terribly. You must admit it's dreadfully romantic for us to be separated by circumstance such as we are. 
It reminds me of Lady Greenwich and her Matthias from Duel of Crones. My... My loins ache for you. Ugh. They say that all the time in Duel of Crones. But does anyone alive actually find it appealing? You are in my thoughts? No, that's too chaste. Mm. Ah, yes, you are in my thoughts. Some, but not all of which, are sexual in nature. Well, it's factually accurate. You know, I'm resolved to choose gratitude they finished as many Duel of Crones books as they have. Writing is difficult. Who's there? I'm a friend of the innkeepers. Are you decent? What do you want? Go away. I requested privacy. I know, but we must speak. I'm coming in. I'll scream. But that wouldn't be very private now, would it? I do regret the terribly rude intrusion, but there's nothing for it, you see. Who are you? Can I pay you to go away? <laughs> I'd have a much more comfortable life if you could. But sadly for me, I've learned that I'm quite a loyal friend. Friend to whom? Well, the innkeeper, for one. A bit of a bind an innkeeper finds herself in, wouldn't you agree? Discretion is essential if they're to attract and retain clientele, yet these total strangers are literally sleeping in her home. There comes a point where her needs for safety must come before her patron's need for privacy. Do you see what I mean? No. Well, yes, but not what it has to do with me. Here's the crux of it. I need to know whether any trouble is liable to come following you. Why would trouble come following me? I don't know. But it's hard to imagine you left the White Forest to come here because things were going well for you. Why, well, I've always been fond of Mamiet music. I wanted to hear it in an authentic setting. And that's why you've secluded yourself up here demanding privacy, is it? Instead of downstairs in the barroom where music is played? I just need to be somewhere where no one will think to look for me for a while, all right? I don't want any trouble. I apologize for the deceit, but how did you say? There's nothing for it, I'm afraid. And why is it so important that you not be found? If I respectfully refuse to say any more, you'll throw me out in the middle of the night to freeze to death, will you? To say nothing of refusing my money? There's a crisp breeze tonight at worst. And the kind of money you're carrying is far more trouble than it's worth. Gods, you've really never left the forest before, have you? And yes, this may shock someone of your background, but I would gladly inconvenience you to protect my friend's life. So tell me a story that makes some sense, or else gather your things. As you wish. My parents are dead. All evidence points to murder. And until I know more, I can't very well hang around the forest waiting for the murderers to find me too. I'm terribly sorry for your loss. People with duplicitive motives keep saying that to me. As I said, I have no motive beyond protecting my friend. 
And suffice it to say there's reason to believe someone in the White Forest might bear you ill will. I suppose I can't deny it. Are you going to kick me out? Not my decision. I imagine there's no point in my asking, but why is your friend the innkeeper's safety in question? She can tell you herself if she chooses. So, what have we learned? Your guest here believes her parents were murdered. Gods, I'm sorry to hear that, dear. She came here to hide from the murderers, whoever those might be. I see. So all's to say there are some elves who bear you ill will and might come looking for you. What would you like me to say? I'm doing all I can think to do to steer clear of them. You got a fella? Back in the forest? A what? A beau, a boyfriend, a paramour. Oh. Yes? What's the worst he's ever let you down? He hasn't let me down. Good. You're as shitty a liar as I'd hoped. So here's a few of the cards I'm holding. You see, me and him, we lost someone very dear to us not too long ago. And we think the White Forest had something to do with him as well. We don't know much more than that, but we're trying to figure it out. So here's the deal I'll make you. First, and this should go without saying, but I find those are the first things you ought to say. If we're all alive long enough for you to get some actual spendable coin together, I expect to be paid a fair market rate for your room and board. Of course. Plus interest for the back pay and the risk I'm taking. That's only fair. And don't even think of waving that sapphire around my bar room. You'll need to find some other way. Right. Second, and this one I have to insist on receiving immediately, you're going to tell my friend and I everything you know about the inner workings of the forest until something gets us closer to our friend's killer. You shouldn't overestimate my station within the forest. This much I don't know. But I'll answer you honestly and as best I can. Then I think we've reached a deal. Roy? Seems reasonable to me. Should we get right to it? Where would you like to start? Sorry for starting indelicately, but might you know the means of your parents' murder? I should say so. They died of poison before my very eyes. Maeve and Royne made no effort to conceal the widening of their eyes or the look that passed between them. Poison, you say? Yes. Oh, your friend is well. Already getting somewhere. Roy, fetch us a few cups of cider. And back west, the sun was just cresting the horizon as Weston and Vanderberg approached Lulu's alehouse. Regan leaned against a post, looking alert and on edge in spite of her bloodshot eyes. Billy sat on a step, leaning on the opposite post, and lightly snored. As the gang leaders drew nearer, Regan prodded Billy with the toe of her boot. I didn't do it! Wake up, kid. It's showtime. Hope you got enough sleep. Oh, yeah. I'll be good. Morning. Vanderberg and Weston simply spat on the dirt as a greeting. (laughs) Okay. One last item to address. You'll both be leaving your crossbows here for this trip. (laughs) And why would we do that? I'm sending you with my unarmed squire. I saw how fast one of you can draw on a man. I'd rather Billy here have a chance on the trip back. Mm, I don't like it, but she's right. Might make the trip a bit more comfortable if I'm not watching my back all the time. 
Vanderberg began unbuckling his crossbow holster, but stopped short when he realized Weston hadn't made a move. You want to get with the show here? You're burning daylight, you got a long trip ahead of you. At that prompt, and with a sigh, Weston began working the buckle on his holster. Good. Now, Billy, here's your guide. As Vanderberg's holster came fully free and hung loose at his side, Weston drew on him in a flash. As he leveled on his rival, an arrow hit his crossbow, throwing the weapon from his grip, and it shot well wide. Realising what just happened, Vanderberg reached for the crossbow sitting in his now limp holster, but the leather was cut by another arrow, causing the crossbow and holster to fall on the ground. As Vanderberg reached down for the weapon, Regan placed her foot on the crossbow as Billy retrieved Weston's empty crossbow from the street. Well, that could have gone better for the two of you. I know you're fast, but I doubt either you could outdraw an elf. Regan nodded toward a window on the second floor of Lulu's, where all but the hands and bow of Yillowin were obscured by the reflection of the rising sun. Billy deposited Weston's crossbow in Regan's hand. Anyways, now that you got that out of your system, you ready to start the trip? Billy will be a guide. I prefer you don't kill him in the process. Do what you will to each other for all I care. Vanderberg and Weston sneered at each other until Billy awkwardly walked between the two of them. Hey dudes, we're heading that way. And if it's alright with you, I think I'd prefer if you two walked in front of me. The two gang bosses stood awkwardly, neither wanting to make the first move after the attempts both had made just moments before. Oh my god, we get it! You guys hate each other! You're definitely gonna try some shit on the trip! We all know how this goes, no one is impressed or surprised, so let's go! Finally, at Billy's outburst, Vanderberg and Weston seemed to relax a little bit. At least enough to start walking in the way Billy indicated. Get back quick as you can once you've made the pickup. Billy as a reply turned back to Regan with a wink and what I believe are referred to as finger guns, before nearly tripping over his own feet. This is who I'm supposed to lean on. Just then, Jen and Nia emerged from the alehouse, each with a pack on their back. That seemed to go all right, yeah? While I don't think it was necessarily the ideal departure, all three of them are still alive. For now. Is he going to be safe? Look, you know I'm not Jordan's biggest Billy fan, but I wouldn't have given him this job if he wasn't very well suited to it. You two work out a signal, like I said? Kind of. Regan looked at Jen with exasperation. What? He said to be on the lookout for when I come running like I'm being chased by a zombie bull or some shit. Ah, <sighs> sure. You two ready? Mm-hmm. We have the necessary provisions and should be able to follow stealthily enough to avoid detection. Good. I'd wait until they get a bit further along to set out. You'll have the advantage of the sun at your back, so they probably won't be looking too closely behind them. Yellowing will cover your ass and make sure no one else is trying to tail them, but we'll need them back here before too long. Got it. All right. Now we just gotta do our part. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Glass and Christian T. Kelly Madeira, and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Associate producers are Susan Degnan and Alex Story. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Anya Gibeon. Ian Harkins. Aaron Lanham. Paul Notice. Anna O'Daniel. April Ortiz. Frank Quares. Julie Reed. Regina Renee Russell. Gregory M. Schultz. David Sylvester Wolf. Editing by Jim Banting. Foley, sound design and post-production mixing by Edward Bush. 
Tomley is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr or Reddit. 